0: Hey, good morning, good to see everybody online. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you're at. For those of you who are on vacation, starting your summer stuff, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're watching this on demand, hey, in the room, we see you this morning, I see the waves, and I see you up in the balcony. Good to see y'all. If you're in Overflow Coffee Shop, hey, it's gonna be a great service. Now, I don't know about you, uh, (laughs) this is very biased, I understand, as the pastor of this church, but I honestly believe with all of my heart we have the best worship team. uh, in the entire city, that's right. I know it's not a competition, but if it was, we're winning, all right? If it was, we've definitely won. Uh, Man, it's just incredible, powerful, powerful worship. Hey, we're in a series, we're actually ending it. It was just a two-week series. If you're like, man, I'm coming at the end. Last week was the start. Today is the conclusion. You can actually go back and watch this, and I would challenge you to do it. Uh, We're talking about Blood and Thunder, and I know it sounds like it could be a rock band name, you know what I mean? Like Blood and Thunder, and I think the opener could be reject the rendering, right? I think that could be an opening band for some, I don't know, all right, and so we've been asking this question, what will it take to see a move of God, like what would it take to see a move of God, and I want to see God move in my life, like in all aspects of it, like in my family life, in my marriage, personally, spiritually, like in our church. I want to see God move in my life. And I don't know about you. Maybe that's why you're here. You're connected with God for the first time in a long time. You hadn't been in church and, and you're back and, and you want to see God move. Maybe that's why you're here this morning. You're looking uh, for like just God to move in your life. And that's what we're going to be talking about. But we're doing it from a very different angle. We're, we're talking about giving today. And you're like. Dang it, this is where we leave. Honey, go start the car. I'll go to the bathroom five minutes from now, right? No, we're gonna do it completely different than maybe you've heard a pastor talk about giving before. Uh, And usually I'm very practical and I believe you know I wanna help people get out of debt and all those types of things that we experience as a married couple that no one taught us. But, But this time I really wanna challenge us in a different way and more so that look in what it looks like to honor God with our finances. And so we're gonna talk about the Christmas story today. I know, super weird, it's May, but the Christmas story is about giving the greatest gift that God ever gave to us was Jesus, and so what a great way to tie it in. But we're gonna see it from a different angle the Christmas story, okay? Now, what we've talked about, in case you don't know, thunder represents God, like God is all-powerful, and then blood represents us as humans, right? So, when we do our part, we're going to trust that God's going to do his part, and when you bring those things together, you see God do incredible, incredible things. So, After Jesus was born, we go to this next spot, and it's in Luke chapter 2. Now listen to what it says. Eight days later. So how long has Jesus, how old is he? He's eight days old, it says right there. All right, so super easy. Eight days later, the baby was circumcised. He was named Jesus. So imagine for eight days not naming your child. All right, it's just kid. Like, hey, be quiet. What's the kid's name? It's child until we handle it eight days from now. So it's just something that they did. They knew it was gonna be Jesus. How do we know that? Because it was the name given to him by the angel before Jesus was conceived. Then it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and the law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of two turtle doves and a. Party and a- Okay, no? All right, we're gonna warm you guys up a little. Or two young pigeons. We're gonna talk about the two turtle doves or the pigeons, that's important, but we're not gonna talk about it right in this moment. So Jesus was gonna be dedicated back to God. We just had child dedication a couple weeks ago where families say, hey, we had this child, we wanna dedicate them, he or she, back to the Lord that they would follow after Jesus. And here, Jesus' parents do the same thing. They're taking him, he's getting circumcised, the whole thing, and they're gonna dedicate him back to God but the requirement was for their custom they had to bring an offering to give back to God and so they give two turtle doves or two young pigeons now we're gonna go in Matthew chapter two so jump with me to another part of the Christmas story now listen it says Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Now about that time, some wise men, how do we know it was three? Well, we don't know it was three, we know it was more than one, because it would be wise men, but it's men. Some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we've come to worship him. Now here you have a king, his name is Herod, he's the king. You have some very influential, very wealthy men show up to your country and go, hey, we hear there's a king that was born and we wanna find him. Where is he? Well, if you're the king and you know you haven't had any kids and you hear about some other king, it's probably gonna be a little bit of a problem, all right? There's probably gonna be a little bit of an issue. There might've been some signs that go, hashtag not my president. Okay, all right, all right, that's not, that's not funny. okay, okay. <laughs> I noticed I'm wearing blue, not on purpose, all right? It's uh, just the color, all right. Online, all right. Uh, You gotta be with me here, because in in the room today, we're gonna have to work for it today. That's why all of my jeans are flex fit. okay. (laughs) They wanna kill Jesus, who? Herod does, why? Because this is a new king. He's the king. So if he's the king, he doesn't want any other king, but they don't know what kind of kingdom that we're talking about. So he says this to the wise men, oh, please find out the information. I too would love to worship this king. So the wise men go off. We're going to pick up in verse nine. Now, after this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. And it went ahead and it stopped them over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Now they entered the house. This is important. There are some of you who have Christmas decorations with Jesus in a manger, with the shepherds in the field, and the animals, and there's wise men. You don't have a biblically accurate representation of the birth of Jesus. The wise men weren't there. That's called you overpaid from Hobby Lobby, all right? You shouldn't have done it. It's not accurate. If you want to be accurate and you have the birth set up, take your wise men and set them on a bookshelf on the other part of a room because they're making their way to the baby, all right? If you want to be accurate. I'm just helping you out. They come to the house and they see the child with his mother Mary and they bow down and worship him and they open up their treasure chest and they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Can you imagine this? You're at your house, you hear a knock. You open the door, there's like this huge entourage of just cars, just like limos and like Cadillacs and Escalades, right, Navy, whatever you want, like just these nice vehicles just come rolling out. They go outside, there's this line of camels, there's all this whole entourage of people and they walk up and they see your child and they fall down and worship your kid, This is a crazy experience that's happening right now. Now you have gold, that'd be like cash. You'd be like, oh my gosh, that's amazing, right? Boom, they're laying down like gold in front of his feet. They're laying down frankincense, which is a type of incense, which would have been incredible. And then they got myrrh. You're like, okay, what's the big deal about myrrh? Myrrh was an embalming oil. In other words, they would use it for people who were to die. They did not get this gift from Bye Bye Baby. You know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't show up. Like, imagine you have a baby shower. We got all these children being born, right? Or you've had kids and you have this baby shower and then someone gives you the gift of formaldehyde. (laughs) I want you to have this. You're like, thanks we're not inviting this family anymore, right? Weird people. Now, obviously, we understand for those of you who study like what these gifts mean, it would symbolize the, the death of Jesus. But obviously, Jesus' parents at that point in time have no idea. They're probably just like, thank you so much for the gift. They're focused on the gold, right? And they're focused on the frankincense. Now, listen to verse 12. It says, when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. And the angel said, Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary. And his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. So Jesus, uh, Jesus' parents, they get this dream from. And it's like, you've got to get out of Bethlehem. King Herod is going to kill every male child two years of age and under. So that's how we know Jesus was a toddler. He was about two years old. So imagine if you found out that someone was going to kill all male children. You had a two-year-old, like you'd be freaking out too. You'd be going somewhere else too, and he says, "Go to Egypt." And sometimes, men we don't get it, and so God lays it out real quick. You go to Egypt. Don't forget the baby, and don't forget the mom. All right, like take them with you. He's like, "Oh, all right, Jesus, I didn't, I wouldn't have thought about that. I was just gonna go." So I think sometimes that's funny how it's included in the scriptures. And they stayed in Egypt until Herod died, and it obviously fulfilled a lot because Jesus came from out of Egypt. Now, how does all of this relate to giving? This is really weird. When we talk about giving in the scriptures, uh, the scriptures teaches this concept of what's called a tithe. A tithe is 10%. Now, the thing that I love about that is giving back to God, a tithe is actually not like giving to God, it's just returning what already belongs to him. right, when you're tithing back to God, you're not saying like, hey, I'm I'm giving, no. What we're saying as a follower of Jesus is, I wanna give back what already belongs to God. He gives us everything, he requires all of it, but he says, hey, all I'm gonna ask is you give back 10% what I have given you, which I think is honestly really incredible, which means we gotta change the way that we think, living on 90%, but we're not gonna talk about any of that stuff today. How can we honor God in this area, especially when it comes to finances, because we tend to hold on to money pretty tightly. There are a lot of us here today that you're pretty strapped. The money that you get, you're holding on to it. You're saying like, hey, I got this. I don't know if we can do that. And you're holding, you're trying to save and you're trying to get somewhere and you're just really holding on to your money pretty tightly. I want to kind of challenge you this morning, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're watching online, if you're holding on tightly to your money, I want you to know that what you have is all that you have and God can't do anything more for you because your hands are closed. But when you choose to open your hands to God and just say, Lord, I'm gonna trust you I promise you that God's going to do something in your life as just a way that does not make sense. He just honors you. It's the only place we see in Scripture. God says, test me. Now, in case you're going like, this is that whole thing. This is why I don't like going to churches. As pastors talk about giving. This is not about anything that I want from you. This is absolutely what I want for you because of what I've experienced in my life. And countless other people have experienced in their lives. I want you to have those same experiences as well. So we're going to talk about three lenses of generosity. It looks like three different ways, three lenses. The first one is this, contribution and capacity. Contribution, that means it's what you're giving. Capacity is what you've been given. So contribution, we understand that like, hey, this is my contribution. This is what I can do but your capacity is what you've been given right? We all give something, but we don't always give all of it. And so this is kind of the concept that we're talking about. Now, here you have Mary and Joseph. They dedicate Jesus. That's part of their customs. That's what they were supposed to do. Now, in the law of Moses, if you go back, Moses has the first five books. He wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. And there were lots of laws that Jewish people had to follow. Thank God we don't have to do any of those things today. A lot of laws, all right? And so here it was, it said that a person must donate a lamb, or a dove. And so it was all these gifts. This is what you had to bring to God. But there was a provision because not everyone could afford a lamb. Not everyone could afford a ram. Not everyone could afford like these nice doves. And so the provision was, if you were poor, all you had to do was just donate two doves or two pigeons. And what I love that about God is that he never leaves anyone out. God never leaves anyone out. 10% is the same for all of us. The amount is different, but 10% is exactly the same. God does not discriminate against anybody. It's always not how we can give the same amount, not equal giving, equal sacrifice. Your sacrifice will be different than my sacrifice and someone else's sacrifice. Your gift may not even be a sacrifice, And so yet, this is exactly what God is doing. He did not want to stop anyone from participating. If a poor person in that culture had a baby and they wanted to dedicate their child back to God, and they said, oh, you have to give a lamb and a dove, they would feel left out. They wouldn't be able to do it. And so Moses made this provision for just two doves or two pigeons. So you can tell it's not as expensive. So It all comes down to your contribution is always measured against your capacity. And that's just between you and God, all right? Joseph and Mary gave what they could. It wasn't like anyone was checking in on them, like it was just between them and God and they knew what they could afford. They knew what they could do. That's the same thing here at Cornerstone. Like the elders and I, like we have no idea who gives. I know what I give and I know what my family gives. I don't know what any of our other elders give. I don't know what any of you give. So if you get like a text message from me, like a message, maybe you haven't been in church, whatever, and I'm just saying like, hey, hope things are going well. And you're like, oh my gosh, the pastor knows I haven't been given, he's hitting me up. That's just circumstantial. that's the Lord. So if you feel guilty, that's between you and God, all right? <laughs> like if I just happen to text you because I feel like I should just check on that person, you're like, man, I haven't been given. That's between you and God, Or right? I could promise you, like I, I'm not checking on any of that stuff, all right? That's between you and God. You could be like feeling super good. You could win like the lottery, which yeah, I'm not saying you should play. I'm just saying if you win, you should give some, all right? And so if you did and you're like, boom, I just dropped this ball in check, all I would know is pastor, someone donated a million dollars. I'd be like, what? We'd be just celebrating. We'd do something. We'd pay off our bill, all this. Stuff. I don't know. It'd be, it'd be amazing. I wouldn't know that you did it. You might be like, hey, pastor, wouldn't that amazing? I'm like, yeah, that was incredible. And you might be like, yeah, wasn't it amazing? And I find it, would be awkward. I'm like, did you do it? Because I, I don't know what's happening right now. Like, did you get, I'm, what's going on, right? I'm not going to take it and use this money and go somewhere. Although I do feel maybe like the Lord's sending uh, me to maybe Barbados for a summer or something. I don't know. I'm kidding. I would never do that without anyone knowing. <laughs> Just, I'm kidding. That's how people get in trouble, y'all. All right, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. So this is what I love about it. Jesus sees this story and he's at a place. He's actually at the temple and he sees two different sets of people. Here you have this prominent Pharisee. He was like the superstar, the athletes. These are the guys that they looked at as like these were the top. And they're at the temple and he shows up and he gives a big sum of money to the church. As a matter of fact, he's making a big deal about it. He's like, oh, guys, the Lord has so blessed me. I'm so humble. I just want to give back to God what's his. And he's just like making it rain out there at the temple. He's like, oh, it's just, I mean, it's not a lot. It's the least I could do. You know what I mean? Like he's trying to not make it a big deal, but he is making it a big deal, if you know what I'm talking about. But then over here on this side, there's this little widow and she has two mites. And so for those, you know, we're talking like it's not even worth a penny in our culture and she drops them in. And Jesus says, of the two, the widow gave more than this guy over here. Why? Because she gave all that she had. It doesn't mean that she gave her two last pennies to her name. What it means is all that she could do, all that she had, she gave it. That's a total difference, isn't it? And Jesus said, this lady was more blessed than this guy over here. Because this is the statement I want you to understand that God doesn't measure the size of our gift, he measures the size of our stretch. How hard is it for us to do something? A gift for you, if I give $100, for some of you, you'd be like, "I, I can't do that. For some of you, you wouldn't even know it's gone out of your bank account. God does not measure the size of our gift, he measures the size of our stretch. And that's what we're talking about. Giving 10% of $100, that's easy, that's 10 bucks. But if you had a million dollars giving 10% of that, 100,000, that's a little harder. And so that's what we're talking about. God is not looking to see how much you give. He's looking to see what it took for you to give. The second lens we see is this is sacrifice and supply. We see sacrifice and we see supply. It was tough for Mary and Joseph to give this gift, all right? I mean, think about this for a second. They literally gave birth to Jesus in a barn. And I'm not even talking like the kind of barn you can get married in, okay? It was not one that people were using. This was like, no, this is the kind of barn you don't want to be around, and that's the only place that Jesus could be born. And I think about it, taxes are hitting everyone, right? Everyone's paying this insurmountable amount of taxes. And then like, here's Joseph and Jesus is not even his child, but he hadn't missed a ball game. Anyone know that song? All right, no. All right. So things were tough. It was a tough situation for them. It was a hard season for Mary and Joseph. They find this little house just to spend their life, and they're just trying to go about, and they're doing it. So they're trying to honor God with the way they're living, and so now you fast-forward the story. Again, we talked about how some scholars say it's been two years. Jesus is now two years old. Those are some of the hardest times as a parent is getting through those toddler years, and after they get past the toddler stage, they trick you into thinking you can do it again. (laughs) You're like, oh, that wasn't bad. We'll have another kid And you're like, that was horrible. And then you get nostalgic, like, oh my gosh. And your other kid gets older, like, I think we could do that again. And then you have your third, and you're like, we're out, right? And I was like, we're done. No more, no more, right? Like, they just trick you. So anyways, here it is, Jesus, it's all this thing. He's the only one there, and they're worshiping him at his feet. Can you imagine what's happening for Mary and Joseph? They're just watching their son, and these strangers are worshiping him at the footstep of their door. Like, this is really, like, incredible what's taking place, like the neighbors looking out the window, Mary and Joseph got all these people at their house, like who do they know, I mean it's honestly just really incredible, just these swagged out camels, you know, so like it was honestly just an incredible scene to have been there to, to, to witness what was happening, because these men knew that this child was special, that he was sent from God, so they provide gold, frankincense, and myrrh, you know, what's amazing about that is God never tells us how he's going to provide for us. He just does it. For those of you who are struggling and you're holding on to your money, I'm just telling you because I've lived it. You can rewind the tape for us, for Aaron and I, 2013. There was a season in our life where we had no, like, had no full-time job. I was literally, you remember Radio Shacks? Remember those things? I worked at the one in Atala for 20 hours a week. And there was just these moments where like, my wife and I like didn't know how we were gonna make it. We literally sold like anything that we had that we could sell, we were selling, right? Like I was like, I'll make egg rolls and like, I don't know, like I'll go work for Maycon. You know what I'm saying? Uh, (laughs) And and, uh, I was, I'm just, we're trying to figure out, we're trying to figure out like how we're gonna survive. And I remember that year for us, I got our W2s back We didn't even make $23,000 that year. And I looked back and go, how did we make it? We just had two kids at the time and they were younger. So it's a lot easier when your kids don't have as much, they don't know. God never tells you how he's gonna provide for you. He just does it. But it comes when you honor him. And when you honor God, it doesn't mean that your life still is not gonna be tough. That was a hard, hard year for us financially. But yet, God provided for us and continued to go above and beyond because we said, God, we're gonna trust you in every area of our life. When there is the spirit of sacrifice, God takes care of the supply. Yeah. When you have this spirit of sacrifice, this is the two mites that I can give. God takes care of the supply. You know, we do things like this Easter 120 challenge and we're saying, hey, like over and above, like if you give, there's these envelopes numbered one through 120. It's amazing to see people even take like the lower numbers because you never know what a sacrifice is for someone. And because of the generosity of people here, we saw over 1,500 people reached at our uh, Easter block party and we saw countless people put their faith in Christ at Easter this year. I love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 9. He writes this, he says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. See, sometimes we have it backwards. We think like, I'm working this job. I bring home a check. No, God gave you the ability to work that job and to get that check. If you can walk, God gave you the ability for you to walk. How do I know that? Because there are children who are born who can't walk, but yet you are able to walk and you're really good at your job. Guess who gave you that ability? God, he gifted you in that way so that you could crush it at whatever you're doing. So you could be great. If you're a stay-at-home mom, hey, your job's not diminished. God gifted you to be able to do that so that you could take care of your kids and raise them, right? Whatever you have in life, God gave it to you. So here, Paul writes, God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then guess what? And the bread to eat. The farmer's doing all the work, but if it weren't for God, who, I don't know if you heard about this, he actually created everything, which means he produces like all the stuff that we eat, vegetables and meat and all sorts of stuff. God provided that for us. And if he hadn't created it, we wouldn't have it. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Isn't it incredible that one seed produces more than one vegetable. Could you imagine if you're like, hey, I'm planting this one tomato seed and you just got one tomato out of it? That'd be a lot of work for one tomato. I don't think I'd eat them. BLTs would not exist, you know what I'm saying? It's like, (laughs) right? But one seed produces an abundant amount of produce. So he continues on. Yes, Paul writes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. So when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Mary and Joseph are there at their house. Gold, frankincense, myrrh, boom, boom, boom. They're looking down. You know what they're thinking? We just got a stimmy. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, this is amazing. Jesus is two years old. He don't need the gold. You know what I'm saying? You ever get a gift for like your kids? You're like, they don't need that. How would they feel if I returned that and got the cash for it, right? A lot of us got checks. How many of you spent the money for your kids on your kids? That's what I'm talking about, Mm mm-hmm. You didn't do it. You might have bought them a pair of pants, right? They could use some pants, but this money is ours, right? We raised you and all this stuff. And this is what happens to Jesus' parents. Boom, 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 all these gifts, they're theirs. They're like, oh my gosh, this is incredible, right? Like Jesus is too young for it, we will spend it for him. But see, the two turtle doves, if they had all that money, they wouldn't have bought two turtle doves. They would have bought the lamb and the dove. They had no money then, and it meant more to them. They could have just gone to the temple, boom, here's the money, how much is it? Boom, there you go because they had all this free cash. No, it meant much more to them. It was harder to give the gift because they didn't have anything. There's gonna be something that will come up in your life that will cause you to go like this. Gotta hold on. It's the enemy keeping you from experiencing what God wants for you, Sacrifice comes in, that's where faith steps in. And I'm not saying be ignorant, okay? If you have a family, provide for your family. If you're like, oh my gosh, should I feed my family or give this money to the church? Take care of your family. Let's not be ignorant to providing. God has called us to provide for our families, right? If you're like, oh man, I don't know if I should give this money to the church or pay this power bill, then I gotta call the church see if they'll help me with this power bill. Take care of your family, and then let's look at your finances and see maybe what are some things that you're doing. Hey, maybe you shouldn't stop and get coffee every day. That might help. That's like $6 every day. I don't know. We can talk about those things another time and looking at how we do stuff, but time and time again, I hear stories from people that are sitting out here in this room who are watching online, who share with me what God has done in their life because they just took this step. And it's amazing. Like, I don't make these stories up. I'm not like, all right, now this person, now, okay, what you're, it's gonna happen next on Tuesday, you're gonna get this check from this employer from seven years ago that you forgot about and hated his guts. He's gonna drop you this check because they forgot to pay it to you. And that's gonna happen on Tuesday. And if you can tell me so I can share that with the church, that would be amazing, all right, on this Sunday, May 20th. 3rd, 2021. I know it's a year from now, but just go with me. I can't make this stuff up. I'm just sharing with you what God has done in people's life. And when you take it seriously, God honors that. As a matter of fact, God thinks, takes it very seriously. In the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi, they call it robbery. He says, have you robbed God? You've robbed God with your tithes and offerings. You know what I believe? I believe you're robbing God of this, the opportunity to bless you. When we hold on, you rob God the opportunity to bless you like he wants to. That is why it's the only time in scripture you see God say, test me and see if I won't pour out blessings on your life. You wanna know why? Because it's not like, hey, test and see if my faith is real and test me and see if I ain't God because God might do something we don't wanna see. It's the only time in scripture we see God say, test me and see if I won't bless. Some of us are robbing God of the opportunity for the blessings he wants to pour into our lives. The third thing is this, pride and privilege. This is the third lens, pride and privilege. And we're not talking about privilege the way that our culture likes to use the word privilege. Okay, there's a cost here. Everything that you see that's on a Sunday, there's cost. Someone had to like pay for the coffee. See, some of y'all like, unless you're like OG and you've been here from the beginning, some of y'all don't know how nice that parking lot is. Some of y'all don't know, women, some of y'all don't know how that bathroom used to look like, all right? Men, you don't know, like, it used to, like, there's just, like, like, you'd walk up in the bathroom, like, "I'll, I'll hold it, right? You don't know. If you have kids on the kids' wing, you have no idea what that used to look like. You have no idea what this stage used to look like. It took, A lot of money that people in this church have generously gave. Like we're literally like a couple of years away, maybe two or three years. We really get after it from being completely debt free. All right. That's amazing, right? All of it costs money. And I'm not saying that to say like, now give back. I'm saying that to say, what is the cost of a soul worth? At our church, we believe the cost of a soul is invaluable. Whatever it takes. That's what we wanna do to reach people. We can't place value on someone's life. It meant everything to Jesus that he would give his life, which is why we do everything that we do, which is why we do the outreach events, which is why we do the things for missions that we do, which is why we feed people five days a week here because we care about people. We wanna see the population of hell decrease and increase the population of heaven. And we understand that we have to come together to make that happen. You know what's crazy about church? It's the only place that you, it's like voluntary. Like, some husbands are like, well, (laughs) talk to my wife about voluntary, right? But it's the only place that you voluntarily show up, voluntarily give your time if if you serve, and voluntarily give your money to allow the thing to continue. What job do you have that's all voluntary? There isn't one. That's what makes the church different, special and powerful, God does his work. And see, Cornerstone is not all about about ourselves. We're like, no, we're going to give back, which is why we're so involved in missions and all the things that we do. Because God first gave, we want to give back as well. It's completely voluntary. Because people are generous, you, you receive the blessing of someone else's generosity. Our church made room for you. And this is your opportunity to make room for somebody else. This fall, we plan on going back to two services. We can't hang with one service anymore. We went down, the COVID's crazy stuff, but we're, our church has come back very strong. That's amazing. That's the, like the testament of like our people here and what's happening. But when we go back to two services, we can't do that on our own. Like we got 60 people that serve just on the kid's wing in a month. You know what we need? We need like 80. We need like 100 people serving, especially when we go back to two services. And so we need people to give back. And so I'm saying that to say, We are here because of someone else. Cornerstone did not build this church. First Presbyterian did back in like the 1900s. And then everything that you see on this building here was built in the 70s. That wing was built in the 20s, which is why we had a lot of work to do. Another church came in and did some stuff to it. And then Cornerstone came behind them and we've done all the work. You see, like that coffee shop, there used to be a wall there. We're like, "Blow it down. No walls." That like the welcome area. There used to be a whole room over there. We're like, "Tear it down. Open it up." I can't tell you how much we've done in this church here because of people's generosity. We're here because of someone else. And we're able to stand on the shoulders of a foundation that was built and I'm thankful for that. We didn't have to build a building, we didn't have to build a stage, we didn't have to do any of that stuff. We get to reap those benefits. And the same thing is true for you who are here. You get to reap the blessings from someone else's sacrifice. But you know what's amazing about it is now you have the opportunity to be the one who sacrifices to bless somebody else. There are countless people who put their faith in Christ. I can't tell you how many kids are gonna grow up through this church. On an average Sunday, not even a special Sunday, we will average 60 to 80 kids just on the kids' wing in one service. Imagine when we go back to two services. Imagine if these kids grow up in church, they're growing up in our student ministry. The student ministry, the room that we had for the student ministry, before we even finished it, they already outgrew it. So they meet in here on Wednesday nights. Imagine these kids putting their faith in Christ and growing up and they're here whether they go out of our county or they stay here in the city imagine the world changers because you're like I'm going to invest in my children and in my kids friends and in my in my friends kids I'm going to invest and I wanna see them change the world and they grow up through this church and we get to send, like imagine us, Cornerstone, we have a, a missionary in Indonesia, Alan and Ruth. Imagine a Sunday when we do child dedication, we do missionary Sunday, and we're like, hey, we're sending out 10 families today because your kids and a lot of us would be a lot older. I'd be like, imagine us sending out 10 kids, right? Like I'd be like older, like I'd be a lot older, right? You would be two, so come with me there. <laughs> and just imagine like sending these kids out and, who are not kids anymore, they're like married and stuff. Right, like to probably someone else in this church, that'd be weird, right? So get, get friendly with people. Right? You may be in-laws with someone here. Imagine, because we took it seriously, and we said, we have the opportunity, we have the opportunity to change someone's life because of this church, because we came together to do all of it. What would you pay if the life of your kid was on the line? I had a friend Uh, He's a church planner. We supported him. It was their cousin, their niece. Their niece is 12 years old. She was going to turn 13 next week. Just two days ago, she was hit by a car. Yesterday, she passed. But imagine your child, you're in that situation. How much would you pay to save your child? How much would you pay? Well, we'd probably be mortgaging our house, selling everything we could. We'd be doing anything that we could. This was the mentality with God. He says, I risk it all and I'm gonna send my son and I'm gonna make sure, I'm gonna make sure that he stays alive. You know what he does? He knows Herod's crazy and he wants to kill children. So you know what he does? I'm gonna send some wise men. When? At the barn? Nope. He waits a couple years later when they're at their house and he gives them gold frankincense. How do you think poor people make it to Egypt and back? They just got gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They could use the gold, they can sell their frankincense, and they could sell the myrrh. And not only did they do that, they could live in Egypt so that they could come back. God provided for them exactly when they needed it. And if God can use wise men to bring Jesus to Egypt and back, what will God do through your generosity? Where will he take Jesus through you? You have the opportunity to change the world. So I want to challenge you. Last week, we had about 10 people say, Pastor, I'm going to take this challenge. It's a 90-day giving challenge. Now, I want you to hear me because this is, again, not what I want from you. Cornerstone, financially, we are strong. And if you want to know what our finances are, every single month, we put out everything that we spend and all of our budgets right there on the wooden table in the lobby. Anytime you want to see what I make, you want to see what we spend our money on, it's on a piece of paper right out there you can take every single month, all right? So we have nothing to hide from you. Our church is strong financially because of the generosity of people here, but I believe God wants to bless you more. That's why I say it's not what I want from you, it's what I want for you. So you're in one of several categories. If you don't give anything, that's some of you. For the next 90 days, I wanna challenge you to do this. Give something, just give something. I don't know what that's going to be because, again, I'm not checking to see if you do it or not. Just give something. There are some of you who do that right now. You give something. You're watching online. Hey, you give something. You Church Center app, you're like, all right, I'll give something. But I'm going to ask you to give a percentage of your income. Just figure it out. You'll be surprised at how little 1% is. Like, of have $100. It's $1. Just pick a percentage and say, hey, for the next 90 days, I'm going to give this amount. There are some of you who, who already do that. You just don't know what the percentage is. You might say, every two weeks, I give $60. Every month, I give $150. That's a percentage of your income. Figure that out and just bump it up 1%. Or for some of you, just say, hey, I'm just gonna give 10%. Boom, just, I'm gonna trust God. I'm gonna go 10% for 90 days. Now, here's what I want you to do. As you give for the next 90 days, you're going, see, this pastor just cares. See, he, he's saying he don't care, but he cares. When you go home today, you'll pass all sorts of churches, pick a church, and give to that church for the next 90 days, but you keep coming here because we're going to invest in you spiritually. We're going to pour into your kids' lives. You're going to find community. You're going to find love. You're going to find acceptance. We want you to be a part of our family here, but you just give anywhere else because I believe when you honor God with this area, he blesses you regardless of where it goes to. And honestly, there are some churches who could use it. So you, you just pick. It's up to you. For the next 90 days, and after 90 days, you feel like, God, like, this is a bunch of garbage. You're like, this is hokey pokey. This is why I don't give to the church, right? That's okay. After 90 days, you don't have to give anymore. Keep coming to church, because I believe we're going to invest in your life. You're going to find your marriage is going to improve. You're going to find that, like, the spirituality of your kids is going to improve. All these things. But you don't have to give, and every time I say that, I'm always like, oh, I don't know if I should, but guess what? I'm not the one who said, test me, God did. So that's between you and God. And I believe when you do it, God is going to bless you. I believe he's gonna change your life. And when you give, you're gonna see the power of God in your life in ways you've never experienced before all because you said, I wanna see a move of God. I don't wanna hold on to what's mine anymore. Lord, I give it to you.